how this is different from 10 years ago. Okay, when you're ready. And being married to a pastor. Those are two totally different subjects. Well, we can weave them in and out. Huh? We can weave them in and out. Mm. All right, when you're ready. All right, so let's... Are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Well, you have to say, like, action or go or something. You can't just, like... On your mark, get set. <laughs> <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. We really need to tell better stories. Instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? You don't have, like, any opening or anything that you do for... Hey, this is Pastor Joanne coming in from the female podcast something or whatever you call it. This is her story. Yeah. Uh, I have one that's pre-recorded, although I do need to re-record it because it's pretty old. I need to, like, redo it. We really need to tell better stories instead of just complaining about it. So how do you how do you start with normal people? Oh well, usually I'm interviewing a pastor, so I'm like, so let's just start with where you're serving. So where are you serving right now, Rob? <laughs> At home, <laughs> right? <laughs> with Bell. With Bell. So what? So what's your role in the church? Support. I do pretty much whatever needs to be done, even preaching. <laughs> that only happened once. <laughs> yes. Anywhere from preaching to counseling to ushering to plunging the toilet to sweeping the floor. To fixing boilers. Fixing boilers. Okay, so 10 years ago, you know, it's been 10, it was 10 years ago, well, this is May now, but last month in April, it was 10 years ago, district assembly, when God called me to plant the church. Yes, and at the same time, laid me off, well, God didn't lay me off, but I lost my job in, and we, so we started a new business. Started a new business and we planted a church during a recession. Yeah. And we started homeschooling Rebecca. You did more of the homeschooling of Rebecca. Yeah. But, yes. So maybe it's not so much different than... (laughs) Maybe this isn't so much different from 10 years ago. Honestly, I think this is easier than 10 years ago. Well, our kids are 10 years older. Yeah, but having having uh, a different, I think God used ten years ago to prepare us for today. What amazed me ten years ago is I was out of work. Pastors don't get paid money. Um, it, you know, we like we started this church. It was small, anyways. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't have got much money. Anyways, um, so like we really didn't have anything coming in 
and God still, it, it was just amazing how God supplied for us. And what, what touched me, and it's going to sound kind of stupid, but, but it really, it really kind of opened my eyes was when, um, the, it, like, there were times that I wanted to order a pizza. And, and there's, there's really like no money coming in or anything. And it would never fail. I wouldn't really pray about it. I'd kind of think about it. I'd just think about it. I'd like, or it'd pop into my head. And either you would call and say, Hey, somebody gave us a little extra money. Let's get a pizza tonight. Or you would call up and say, you know, there's not much in the fridge. Can you pick up a pizza tonight? kind of thing um we had pizza just show up at the door one time um oh that's right i forgot about that yeah (laughs) and it and it hit me it's it sounds kind of stupid but if if god cares enough to supply a pizza like just a a dumb pizza it's not like it's not supplying what you need it's supplying what you want like a need would be supplying vegetables and fruit and protein and like healthy like nourishment to keep you going right to add to like to it it was more of a want and and every time something would like every time something would come up and and we'd get pizza and it just kind of like i said it kind of hit me more that um if God cared enough about that, it wasn't like, I know you want pizza, but really here's some manna that it, this will really sustain you better than a pizza. Mm. It was, it was, you, you, this is really what you want and, and I'll grant it, you know, kind of thing. And how, um, and he, and he, for me, it, it just hit me with, with the pizza, but, but he did it with bills and he did it with other other things to where the the tr- like it says in scripture he'll su- he'll provide for you um i remember and- uh jazz cuz you know all three of us using the kids you know the kids and i use inhalers and jazz from taekwondo uh she she did the mail-in prescriptions, and they sent her the wrong kind. They sent her Ventolin, which they don't use Ventolin. They use Pro-Air or whatever. So they said, oh, just keep them. We'll send you the new ones. And so she gave us three inhalers, which were, you know, out of pocket, were $150 a piece. Yeah. That's the kind of providing that you expect from God. Not a pizza. You know, it's like, but if he cares that much, if he will provide down to a pizza, in scripture, it says that he'll provide for you. Um, it also, it, but it, it's pretty clear that he'll, he'll supply for that day, not for the week, not for the year. You know, he'll provide for that. When that bill comes in, the money will be there. Not, not necessarily, he doesn't promise that it'll be there before and he doesn't, you know, promise that it'll be 10 times what that bill is. 
Um, and, and, and during, so during that time, that really, that really happened. It, you know, it's like, it, it just, it just solidified. And we talked about this before, like when I got, when I was getting laid off and being the union steward and being right in the midst of all of that, seeing, seeing how it affected everybody being laid off, how differently. And, and I never, I never really panicked about it or anything. I, I just. You had guys that had to go home because they were having anxiety attacks. There were guys put in the hospital because of anxiety attacks, anxiety attacks. It, there were people that ended up in mental hospitals over it. And, and I was just like, I, I, I was just amazed where it was like, I kept saying it's just a job. It's just, I'll get another one. It's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll get another job. Um, but it, after 10 years later, like I can see that it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, part of it being my personality or my attitude. Part of it was my faith and where God had put us, um, as a family having a strong family base and and having a relationship with with God that is what got us through so when this happened you know we're supposed to stay home and and you know so no one's working unemployment is through the roof and you know companies are shut down like i didn't I didn't really panic about it. I mean, I've had my, I've had my days of fear and stuff when you were, when you were sick and stuff, which, you know, every year we, we have a case of, um, when the pollen gets high and stuff like that, we have a, you know, case of allergy attacks and stuff like that, that is normal with us. We, now it was like, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of questions of like, are you having trouble breathing? You know, every day it's like, are you having trouble breathing and stuff? And so there was, there was the fear there, but there was also the security that God's in control. And so what can I do at this time? Not like it was a punishment, but more like it was a blessing. I, I have a month to do, let's get the kitchen redone. I have a month that I can work on the kitchen. Let's. Except that you can't buy anything. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't count on them not shutting that, that part of it down, but, but the, um, it, it, it's not, not just the kitchen. It's like, what, what can we do? Where, what can we go? It, there wasn't the thought of this is going to hurt us. Yeah. Like you have, so you have command as your number one strength. And now you're in a, situation where command isn't really I don't know that command really helps because command is about presence and having influence but you can't even be around people and and you can't really control anything so yeah having command is a number one strength and being around people is not always a blessing because <laughs> more or less people will tell you you're wrong and if you're Number one is command. Your feeling is I'm not wrong, 
And so there's usually more conflict than influence. Influence, yeah. More annoyance and, and stuff. But I, I have seen stuff that's happened now that just like I did when when we were starting the church and getting laid off, that where God is providing, where God is supplying. We, you know, DQ. Um, one of our clients is. Um, has been paying us our wage. They they shut down before the, the the legal shutdown was supposed to happen, and they've been paying us continually through this whole thing. When we haven't done, we haven't been within miles of that building. Right. I mean, that's incredible. You know. They're a bigger company, but they're not, they're not massive. Yeah, they're not Ford, GM. No. Is Ford, I know Ford and GM are paying their employees, but are they paying subcontractors and, and contractors outside of Ford's? Cause that, that's what DQ is doing. Right. You know, supporting us. And we've had other, we've had other clients do that and stuff and just seeing, the same thing it's not so much pizza this time but it it's getting a getting a a job that we're required to do during this lockdown time and and a little bit of money coming in or doing yeah, some of our some of the rental homes that we do handyman services for that are empty so we can get in there and and it, do and service them because there's nobody in there so yeah Stuff like that pops up. People popped up and, and made, you know, brownies and cornbread. And not, not just brownies and cornbread. I mean, how much, like, the love is there? It's not just making brownies and cornbread, but it's making the gluten-free brownies and cornbread, knowing that you're trying to be gluten-free, you know, and the, and the willing to do that is God, you know. There's been tough times. I mean... You, you turn 50 during this time and it's like we're none of us are really big party people but you know we wanted to do something and so you know that made it kind of tough but it's in you know it's still seeing god at at work some you know an unexpected check comes in the mail um Somebody shows up at the doorstep with, you know, something. So I think it's if your if your trust is within God, he's he's ultimately in control. And and if you trust that, I don't I don't think these life even these huge earthly problems are are that big. That's what I've seen. That's all you have to say about that. That <laughs> you said. What did I see that been between from the di- the difference? Yeah, the difference. stuff that's been different, stuff that's been the same. The blessings, the challenges. How how has it been challenging to keep doing ministry as a pastor's husband in this time? Well, you said my number one. Um, thing is is command so uh 
doing ministry as a pastor's husband is hard to begin with, <laughs> no matter what the time is, because I have learned in these 10 years that you can say stuff that'll hurt the church and hurt the ministry. And you can also say stuff that will strengthen the ministry and and I don't I don't know maybe I don't know if it's because command is my number one strength or if it's a guy thing or the way I was brought up or or what it is but there is there is a protection factor um, that I struggle with to where when I see somebody uh, pastors don't have an easy job and they deal with um, people. Police officers don't have an easy job. They deal with people at their worst time every time. Every call they go on, it, it might not be a violent thing. Maybe the person got into a car accident or maybe the person is sick and on the street, but it's not their best time. And the police officers arrive and have to deal with the situation at hand Pastors are kind of like that, except for some reason, people think that they can just control the pastors or or uh, manipulate the pastors. Like they think they can say whatever they want, do whatever they want, and the pastor has to be Christian and godlike and graceful and um, give that hope. And so when that happens, it's very hard to sit back and not take control of that situation and, and handle that situation. Um, because you are the senior pastor. So I would actually be causing more damage by, by doing that and not letting you handle it. I'd actually be undercutting you by doing it, but it's still very hard not to want to. The the want is still there to step in and and handle those situations um, differently than you handle them. And in general, and like I said, maybe it's just me, um, but in general, that's a that's a hard thing to to deal with. And then the other thing is it. I have I want you to succeed i want you to to reach the goals that you and god have set and do whatever i can to to help you do that to support you and, and do that at the same time i come up with ideas and just do them and that night might not necessarily go with what you were um what you were trying to achieve um, even though I was in my own head and, and part of that is I feel like, um, like I feel like I have a little more freedom because I'm your, your husband instead of kind of going, you know, sitting back trying to. So I try now to pass it by you. You don't always communicate if you want that to be done or not. Um, and stuff that, that doesn't help, but trying to do that does that answer the question yeah i guess what have been 
what do you think we are learning through all this? And how do you think, how do you see God you, working through you all You asked this? a question, the, the last question you just asked was about being the spouse of a pastor. Yeah. Now you're asking, did you mean that in a pandemic? What's the matter? Because this question you're saying now. Well, okay, so I guess how, so being a pastor's husband has its challenges in general. And then it's. You know, the one thing I wasn't prepared for as far as being a pastor's husband or a pastor's spouse? Yeah. At at all? Because I'm I'm sure it happens either, either to the wives or to the husbands. Is people come up and tell me stuff that, like, I'm not the pastor. Like, I'm not ordained. And they, they, I don't know if they think because I, like, I live with you or something that I, but they tell me stuff that it's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to, like, know that. Like, they confide in you? Yeah. Or they, or, or like, they ask me, like, spiritual stuff and then they're surprised when I say, how do you handle this? I'm like, well, I hit a heavy bag. That's what I do. But they're like, you don't pray or meditate? No, I hit a heavy bag. I think they're expecting like this spiritual, you know, thing. And, and I'm like, I'm not, I didn't go through seminary and all that stuff. I don't, I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted what it's your okay. other question, but it, it did, it, that is another thing that is being so, a spouse. So being a pastor's husband, during a pandemic, how is that different? Is it has it been more challenging, less challenging? You've been on the phone a lot. Like I said, n- nothing, nothing. Just because the pandemic, the, it, it doesn't it doesn't change anything as far as supporting the vision and and supporting the the church, supporting you know the pastor, supporting. And ultimately supporting God. And it, you said something in a sermon a long, uh, quite a, quite a while ago, um, that, and you, you kind of like declared that we're all pastors. Not necessarily everybody's ordained. Not everybody's called to be a senior pastor or a children's pastor or a music pastor, but, but a pastor of some sort. And so, yeah, the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. And so this was, this is before the virus and all this stuff going on has just kind of resonated. And, and so trying to, trying to do that. And the one thing that I think I get that I, I try not to take advantage of. And I kind of touched base on this early, earlier about you know, doing stuff, I get something in my head and I do something trying to support you or trying to, you know, do something for the church and it, and it's totally doesn't go with the vision or go with, with whatever it causes you more of a headache than it does. I think being a spouse of a pastor, you get a little more grace with that and you get a little bit more or, or you've just been very good at letting people and, and you you are good at this in your church, letting people grow into their position, into their spot and stuff. But, but I mean, you know, we have pastoral friends and things like that that have really, I think, sometimes let me go on a, go out on some thin ice. 
You talk like theologically or spiritually or whatever. Um, like I said, I didn't go to seminary and stuff like that. So the, I'm not a theologian. Right. So I, I get an idea in my head, and I feel it's from God. And instead of, you know, somebody just shutting me down and and being like, "I know you're an idiot." That's you know, and maybe this isn't because you're because I'm a spouse of a pastor, but it, it feels like I get a little bit more lean way of, of that growing period of letting, letting me figure it out. And the way I learn, the way my personality is, the way it's really the best way for me. You know, I might not always say it, but I might sit back and go, Oh, that was, that was a bad idea. <laughs> I've had plenty of bad ideas. Um, the, yeah, but you know, and, but I've talked about this. I think that's true for all of us. I think there's a certain amount where we we stumble along in our journey, and and we we need to do that. We need to, you know, we need to bump into walls and fall down and scrape up our knees. Yeah, but there's not really there's a lot of people out there that won't let you do that. They won't give you that position. Until you have been trained in that position, know that position. Um, a lot of people go with book learning instead of experience. And I don't believe book learning is, is completely the best way to, to do it. I think, I think if you have some book learning and you have some experience, that's the best, the best way. Now, I lean more towards more experience than I do book learning, just my personality and the way I am. You, you've allowed me to gain that experience. So now during this pandemic, when I see people hurting, I see, I didn't handle, when I got laid off, I didn't handle that correctly. I was fighting the battle as a union steward and, and fighting management and fighting the, what was going on. But I really didn't minister to any of the people. I just saw them falling apart. And I didn't really do anything for them. So as a Christian, I didn't really handle that correctly. I was more taken back from it. Like, I, I don't understand this this whole thing. Now, it's different. I understand the fear. I understand the pain. I understand the loss of of the situation, what's going on. Right. And I just want to tell people if God is truly God, he's in control of this entire thing. He's in control, not of just the, the virus. He's also in control of the world. He's in control of your job. He's in control of your, of your household. And it, and it's a hard concept to, to understand it's a hard concept to take because people lose their house and it's like really god was in control like kind of thing and to say to somebody maybe you weren't meant to have that house is is a horrible thing to say and maybe god didn't mean for them to lose their house maybe the mortgage company didn't do what they were supposed to do what god was telling them to do that didn't listen to them Right. The mortgage company didn't listen to God, and the mortgage company took your house. But the thing is, you watch. It's like it's, something will happen. Things will be provided. 
you might have to sleep in your car for a day or two. But you got a car to sleep in. You know, it's like something will be provided, something will will happen. So it's a hard concept to understand. Bad stuff happens. And to say that God's in control of all of this and why does he let the babies die? I don't think he lets babies die. Right. I get that. I understand that, you know, that. And so, so now... With I understand the fear, I understand the loss, I understand the grieving, I understand this this whole situation. That's why I if God put somebody on my heart to call, you know, I called somebody in Texas today. We don't have contact with them anymore and stuff, but we you know we're friends and wanted to see how he was doing and how his church was doing and through this whole thing and how Texas is doing through this whole thing and just touch base with them. Right. But to be honest with you, I was, I've been doing this before the pandemic. Right. If God puts somebody on my heart, I, I pray for him and then usually drop them a text or, or call just to see what's going on. I've done it to Dr. Gardner, so. We'll give Dr. Gardner a shout out in case he listens to this. Yeah. Well, I do text him once in a while. And I try not to complain about you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> as far as I know, I've only had one person <laughs> complain to the superintendent. It, well, I mean, other than you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never complained to Dr. Gardner about you. So what are we learning through all of this pastoring together the last 10 years and then pastoring in a pandemic? Well, I don't know what you've been learning. Um, <laughs> Today I was reading John's Gospel, and the Pharisees asked Pharisees asked Jesus, "Just tell us who you are." And he said, "I'm exactly who I said I was from the beginning." That's good. Yeah. And that that's what I've been saying through this whole thing. He hasn't. He's delivered pizzas ten years ago. And he's doing it today. You know, as far as pastoring, I, I, I don't know what we've learned, but I think I know for me, m- my relationship with Christ, my knowledge of Christ, my relationship with God has gotten bigger, better, and stronger. And with that, I think that's helped our relationship you you and I, our relationship get bigger, stronger, and better. I mean, part of the, you know, I mean, I married you for because I saw right off the bat the first time I met you, your your strengths and your personality and who who you were, your your passion. In my Hardy's uniform. In your Hardy's <laughs> uniform. Now you asked me out first, right? I mean, there, that takes a little. Drink that takes a little confidence, self confidence, your self confidence. I think together we can handle anything. I say that, but I have had, I've had conversations with God in fear. I mean, there's, there's things that are, are down deep that I, that like this doesn't scare me too much. This pandemic losing you or one of the kids, that's what scares me. I'll make money somehow. 
we might not live like kings and, and queens, but God's proven that he provides. He's provided jobs or he's provided food or he's provided a, a bill to be paid multiple times. Although I've been, I've had some fear through this in the past 10 years of doing this, you know, like, I don't know what the textbook answer is like, well, we learned that, you know, not to take anybody from another church, just to, you know, focus on the non-believers. I think we've both grown, grown closer to God. And I think overall that's made us better. Not that we're perfect, just better. Where is he growing you right now? Some, some people call it the growing edge. Where is the edge that he's stretching you? See, you guys always ask these kind of questions <laughs> that are like, like, what's it, what's your, when do you meditate on God? You know, what's the best day to meditate on? What's the best time of day to meditate on God? And honestly, I'm thinking, I'm meditating, I'm praying constantly, 24 seven. Well, that's good, brother Andrew. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, um, I don't sit in the morning. Do you know scripture, the Bible? Yeah, I know the Bible. The, that's an instructional book. That's not God. There's Christians out there that, that take that, take that book and they say, this is God. Now I want to be careful not to be, uh, Jones, James, John, that cult leader that, John James, no, John, I know who you're talking about. Jim Jones. Jim Jones, yeah. <laughs> All the J names. Yeah, Jim Jones had had a had a, a huge ministry and healthy church, and one Sunday he threw the Bible down the altar and said, "We don't need this," and that's when things started getting really bad and and stuff. And I want to be very careful not to not to sound like that. But there's people out there that think the Bible is God. The Bible is not God. The Bible is a connection to God. Right, the revelation of God. It's it's an instruction manual. If we get an IKEA piece of furniture and I give you the manual, but I don't give you the tools to put it together, that manual doesn't mean anything. At the same time, if you try to put that piece of furniture together without the manual, it might go together. You probably will have extra pieces left over probably won't be as sturdy as it technically should be. You know, it'll look like a desk. It'll feel like a desk. But it might collapse as soon as you put something on it. So kind of like Jesus said, build your house on the rock? Yeah. Don't just read the manual and not put the desk together. Right. You know, if you if somebody comes up to you and is hurting... And you quote scripture at them, shame on you. That's not that's not the time to prove how how much you know. That's the time to hug them and use the tools that that instruction manual told you to have. Right. If you memorize the Bible from cover to cover, but you don't do what the Bible says, shame on you. That doesn't impress me none. I can't quote the Bible. You want to come up and you want to quote scripture at me? Great. But if you're not doing what the scripture says, the, the person that is doing what the scripture says, that's what impresses me. And that being said, we do need to read the instructions. 
And we do need, there has to be a balance of doing what the instructions say and reading the instructions to have that connection with God, to get as close. We, we need to do what we can do to get close as, to, as close to God as we possibly can. Right. God will do his part. We have to do ours. Some of us aren't real big on reading instructions. And God has given us the gifts. In the, I can testify because you never read the instructions when you put furniture together. Right. <laughs> God has made each of us for a purpose. And not all of us, to clarify, we need to read the Bible. But not all of us are real good at reading the Bible. So there's many different ways to do it. There's phone apps that give you the, a Bible verse a day. One, that's, how, that's how your men's group does it, right? You have the you have the app read it to you. We have the app read it to us because a lot of us aren't just aren't real good at, at reading. Um, and and we've done it reading what the what's being preached on Sunday is really made a, a really you know cool connection. But we're not reading all of John and then all of Mark and then all of where we, you know, whatever's being preached on, you know, just that section of it. We need to be in the word, even if we're not the biggest um, thing of it. But God also, God also equips us. If you're not a big reader, there's been times where I've said stuff. I've just realized like it, it's from God. I'll say something and you, you'll be like, well, that's in John here and here. It's not exactly word for word what scripture said, but I, I, like, I didn't know that. And you're not the only pastor that's done it. Other pastors have done it. Like I get a lot where people are like, well, you're preaching now. Like, I don't know. I'm just telling you what came into my head. You know, God, <laughs> God will equip us with the tools that we need right. and through stuff. His, through his spirit. So you, you need somehow be in contact with the instruction book. At the same time, it's an instruction book. It's not God. If you read the instruction book but never put the desk together, you, you got a bunch of parts sitting in the middle of your living room. You have a mess in, in the middle of your living room. You can memorize the instruction book. You can t- say it from beginning to end, cover to cover, but it's still a mess in your... Yeah, it, doesn't, in it doesn't give you a holy life unless you apply it. And like I said, on the reverse side of it, you don't have to look at the instruction book. You can put the desk together. And most likely when it gets done, it'll look like the picture on the box. But there might be a crucial screw missing holds the whole thing together that you just left out. Like the Holy Spirit? Like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what what I've learned at the beginning of my walk, I wasn't reading scripture. And God put people in my path to give me that scripture, to give me that instruction and lead me. Now I've grown enough to where I see the importance of it, of both. And now what I've been doing is growing. How, how do I feel? How do I feel that in my life? I am not the person that's going to sit there at six o'clock in the morning, every morning and read, start at John one and read the entire Bible through the year. That's just not me. I haven't read many books from cover to cover. But I'll be the one that'll go out and help somebody fix a broken car in the rain because God called me to do it. Right. For me, that question that you asked is not a, let's see, a 
I started at 6 a.m. reading the Bible from cover to cover. It's a daily thing. Well, you've said in the last couple weeks, your learning edge is learning how to minister to some of the, some of the people who are really struggling right now. No, it is the frustration of Christians that are, are all up in arms about this and not seeing God. You can complain about it, but what are you doing? What are you doing about it? Right. And I, we said, I said this a couple of nights ago that we kind of laughed, but I'm like, if, if somebody spills a gallon of paint in the middle of your living room, do you blame the person that did it? Do you accuse the person of did it? Was it an accident? Was it a, you know, was it on purpose? But in the meantime, if you going through and doing all this, the pain is still destroying your, your floor. Or do you go, well, there's a mess. We need to clean it up. And how do you treat the person that did it? I am not going to get into politics and the government. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't like any of them. Um, They're all corrupt. Uh, it's just, it's, I don't like any of them. I'm not getting into it. But at the same time, this thing is, was thrown on everybody. Right. You know, and I, I've seen how people treated you during this thing, you know, at the beginning of it and stuff. That was one of the times where it's like, it's really hard not to step in. And people are doing the best they can with what they think is best. Do I think people are trying to make money on it, on this situation? Absolutely. Greed is huge in the world today. Do I think people yeah. are trying to make, make moves, you know, poli political moves to, to up their agenda? Absolutely. I think, it, you know, selfishness is huge in the world today. But your neighbor that's going out, the nurse that's going out every morning to the hospital to, to help these sick people, can you go cut her grass while she's at work? Can you put a thank you card in her mailbox while she's at work? There's so many people. There's so many things. And, it, and if you're saying you're a Christian, what are you doing to help these people that are, that are afraid, are sick? That's the frustrating part. And that's the part that I was talking about as far as ministering to people during this time is to listen, listening to people complain, listening to the protesters. People always use the example, you're supposed to put your own mask on first before you can help somebody else. But the question is, are we doing that? Are we, are we taking care of ourselves by leaning into God, spending more time with him, you know, letting him examine our spirits so that we can then turn around and minister to others. Why don't we, I see we're putting our own mask on and then letting the other person just dangle. We're not putting them. We're not even, we're not even attempting to put the mask on that. That's the wrong. That's where we're wrong. That's the, that's the hard part. That's the hard part of ministering, like biting your tongue and not just coming out and saying, I get it. I understand you're angry. I understand you've lost a bunch of money in the stock market. I, I understand the fear of what's going on. Right. But do you have the instruction manual memorized or are you doing the instructions? Right. And I hear a lot of, I read the Bible, but there's nothing being done 
to prove it, that's the frustrating part. That's the hard part to, to minister to people. Jesus said, do you believe in me? I think it was Peter that said, or I think it was Peter that said, yeah, I believe in you. Do you believe in me? Peter's like, yeah, I believe in you. He's like, do you really believe in me? You know, Peter's like, yeah, God, I really believe in you and stuff. Like, we'll see. Do you really love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. I, I really do like Peter. We were talking about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water and Peter was the one that cut the ear off the soldier and Peter did a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I do like his, his thing. At the same time, when Jesus was being crucified, Peter was also the one that denied him. Yeah. But there's a happy ending when we get to the book of Acts. It, it does have an empty ending. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm, I just, I'm just saying he seemed real. Here's a guy that walked with Jesus, touched Jesus, ate with Jesus, talked with Jesus one on one, not even, out the 12 disciples, you know, walking down the street, they were, you know, telling jokes back and forth. Like they, he knew, he knew Jesus. Mm -hmm. He smelled Jesus. Like he, he lived with the guy and he denied him. It should give us a little hope that like God knows we're not perfect, but the church was also built on Peter. Did that answer your question? We weren't Christians when we got married. No. No. Is that a question or a statement? <laughs> it's a statement. I was a Christian. I, I, well, no, that's not true. Well, some I, of the people who listen to this might not realize that. Oh. And I had no intention of ever being a pastor. And then God called me to be a pastor. So how, when God called me to be a pastor, what did you think that would look like? And how has reality <laughs> compared? Well, one, you didn't, you didn't believe in God. I believed in God, but I didn't know, I didn't know Jesus. So I, I guess I wasn't really a Christian, but I believed in a, in a supernatural power, but I was also not doing, um, what I, I wasn't living a Christian life. When I came home from that rodeo and you said, Hey, I accepted, you know, Christ. I was happy I, I was happy. I, you know, I think we, we all should believe in God, but I didn't think anything of it. I didn't, I didn't put much on it. I was just like, Oh, great. You know, it's a, you're improving your, yourself. And I went to another rodeo. I didn't think anything of it. And then when you, when you, you know, you asked me to start going to church again, I was done with organized religion. I was, I was done with church going, growing up in the Catholic Church. I'll take blame for it. I don't know if it was me or, or what, but I know they talked about little baby Jesus in the manger and at Christmas time and stuff like that, but I, I never understood or heard a relationship with Christ uh, being part of the deal. What I saw in the Catholic Church was not God, godly to me. It was people standing up there reading the instruction manual but maybe not necessarily living it. So when you said you wanted to go to church, I was I'm like, it's, forget that. that. I'm glad you know God, but I, I'm not into that. But being a good husband and trying, marriage is give and take, 
and stuff and you I was like all right I'll go and you being a good wife and understanding totally my um objection to organized religion uh tried really hard to find a an organized religion that could minister to me that I would feel comfortable at and so you know when I was in town we'd go to a church here or there and as I was kind of dragging my feet you know you were getting more involved in organized religion you know in church and which I thought you know I mean if that's what you want to do that that's fine and then you know going to Detroit First Church and and we met some incredible people there but at the same time the first time I walked in the door I also got hit with that same organized religion crap you know I think it was God working on me because at this at the same time at the rodeos God was putting people in my place and and horses in my place and stuff that were he was reaching out to me so at the same time God was reaching out to me I just didn't I didn't know how to put it into words and stuff like that. And you're getting more into organized religion. So when I came home from the rodeo and you said, I think I'm being called to be a pastor. In my mind, I didn't have a clue what that, I, in my mind, that's a job. You know, that was like, you're, you're being, you're a wedding photographer and now you want to stand up and marry the people. It's like, that's whatever. <laughs> that's fine with me. Um, I just I just thought it was a nine to five job that you were going to do. It didn't affect me at all. To kind of give the feeling of it, and you you know this story, but when um, we went as a family to Rich's graduation at the Air Force, and it it was so cold there that Tracy and I were sitting so close together. I think we had the same blanket on or we were sharing a coat or something because we were, we were so cold. We were shaking. The, it's a football field full of, of cadets and the whole thing they're saying, they're, they, they're taking their oath. Right. And they kind of finish and Tracy's like, I just joined the Air Force. I said, you want to join the Air Force? She's like, no, I just joined the Air Force. And it just hit her that they're in this as a family. This isn't, something that rich is just going to do job thing he's going to go to the base nine to five and it's a family thing that time hit me when um like i thought the pastoral thing was just a personal job when we were in that meeting i think the ordination process has gotten so much better uh to explain this before before this point but you were basically being ordained. It was like one of the last meetings that we, we had to go to and I had to go and I didn't understand there any reason why I had to go. This is your job. This is your, you know, but hey, if they want to meet me, then I'll meet them. And about 10 minutes into that meeting, sitting there, they started asking me questions, realized that I could, if I say the wrong thing, this is going to end your ordination, you're not going to get ordained. And realizing that that's when it kind of hit me like, oh, this isn't you. This isn't a nine to five job for you. This is a family thing, that same feeling like Tracy had. So from that point on, it was kind of a growing 
just a, a growing thing of what that looks like, what that means. And your, your roles change too. I mean, like you, you were thinking you were going to be an associate pastor and stuff like that. And I could tell, I mean, you're, you're not an associate pastor. You're not, a, you're a leader. And I kept telling you that and you didn't believe me until a senior pastor told you that. Well, he, he was also my boss. So yeah. Yeah. But I had been telling you that for a long time. Anyways, but that changes, you know, so if you go from associate pastor to a senior pastor, not only does your role change, but the family's role changes. It's a growing, it's a step-by-step process. Right. I don't know if that answers your question, but. There's a lot has happened in 28 years. I mean, it'll be 29 years since we got married, but. Next month will be 28 years I've been a Christian. And 28 years ago, I never, ever, ever would have thought we'd be doing this together. Uh, no, it, Mike, you know, when Mike got the horse, he said, he, we were talking on the phone and he, and he's like, did you ever think I would be the one owning the horse and you'd be the one married to a pastor? I'm like, n- <laughs> no, not at all. God has a sense of humor. Yeah. God I think that's how he keeps himself laughing. I, yeah, I guess I think you've answered most of my questions. There was only two questions? No, I asked you a few questions. Oh, okay. I asked, I asked like three or four, and then some of them you answered my questions without me asking the question. Yeah, I did talk a lot. You talked a lot. It's okay. People enjoy hearing you talk. I don't know about that, but... this is, It's like... Reality, instead of reality TV, it's reality podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. I might have gotten you in trouble again. Maybe. We'll see what Dr. Gardner thinks of my idea of the Bible being an instructional book, not God. Well, we don't, we don't worship the Bible. If you memorize it from cover to cover, you, you kind of do. No, it's not you worship. Know? That's... That's wanting God to reveal himself. And to to be fair, most of that was written to be read aloud. The prophecies, the the Pharisees, not the prophecies, the Pharisees had the Bible memorized. Yes, they did. Jesus said, you search the scriptures and you still don't know that that they are there to reveal me. That's exactly what I was saying. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, see? See, you should have just quoted Jesus. Yeah, I don't have it memorized. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. For the theologians that tear it apart and and really get into it, and it, you know, I I don't think it is bad to have the Bible memorized. I don't know. Maybe you're a better Christian if you have the Bible memorized from cover to cover, and you're doing the work. If you memorize the Bible but you don't do you don't take the steps, if you don't put your foot in that stream, God's not separating the the water. Well, as Nazarenes, that's what we talk about. That's what it means to live a holy life. Well, see, maybe I've been Nazarene my entire life. That's why the Catholic Church didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic Church believes in holiness. Maybe that your priest just wasn't preaching it. I worked for him. I, I saw him on a regular basis. Like, we'd go out to dinner and talk. And he was a good guy. He boxed a little bit in the seminary. That makes him a good guy. He, 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 was, no, he, was, he was a good guy. He was, 
he was probably one of the first guys that you could say stuff to and he didn't get all freaked out about, you know, it's like. Like uh, Woody it, talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could say something and be like, ah, yeah. I mean, he would, he would guide and lead and stuff, but it, maybe it was me. I, I don't know. There's a lot of people that Catholicism works for them and, and they, they find Christ in that. And they, and I'm sure a lot of them know Christ and, and have a relationship with Christ. And the 13 years that I went there, 14 years that I went there, I don't remember them saying anything about having a relationship with Christ. They talked about Christ, dear little baby Jesus, you know, but they also talked about, they talked about dear little baby Jesus. I think that was in a movie. It wasn't a movie, but (laughs) they talked a lot about praying to, to Mary or if you've lost something, you pray to Saint Anthony or or somebody like that. You know, not so much of like pray to God. You know, and then my mom in the car driving in the car. If you hit the brakes too hard, she would say, "Mary, Mother of Jesus." You know, Mary, Jesus and Joseph. Mary, Jesus, Joseph. Like, uh, like it was. My dad talked more about Jesus than, than the Catholic Church, <laughs> but it wasn't. That wasn't necessarily Christian. I still think we should have put that on his tombstone. But because of your praying and and faithfulness, God's faithfulness, before he died, he did he did have a relationship with God. He did have a relationship with Christ. So maybe the f- first thing they said when he got to the pearly gates wasn't Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But with a different meaning. I know if he did say it, it was with a different meaning than when he said it when he was drinking. All right, we have 15 minutes before we run out of time and have to start a new episode. I talked a lot, and and we still have 15 minutes? Well, you don't have to use it all up. I'm just saying we only have 15 minutes, and then I have to stop it, save it, and we have to start a new episode. Oh. It only gives you so much time. You have, this, this is kind of the semi. It's like it's like the first level platform. Oh, the, the cheap plan. I think it's plenty of time. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I probably have to edit some stuff out. Hey, probably. <laughs> You're going to edit out the whole. The Bible it is not God. <laughs> so, anything else you want to say to men who are married to women? are in the process of being ordained or advice for women who are in the process to be ordained either one for women that are being ordained yeah take the leadership but don't abuse the leadership society not saying it's right wrong depending on when men were raised they were raised that they provide for the family they pay you know pay the bills and they they go out and the woman stays home with the family there's even some churches that believe that so having that bread in you or just down deep makes it difficult to uh not makes it difficult but challenging sometimes to walk the line huh to To walk yeah to walk to walk down that line and so sometimes because women have been suppressed for so long, sometimes when they get 
some leadership, they abuse it. And they might not think they're abusing it, or they might think they have to be that aggressive, but but that turns a lot of people off. And it could be stressful on your marriage. At the same time, don't be wimpy about it either. That's a fine line. You know, if you've been looked down for so long, you know, that's that's hard to adjust. Both men and women realize realize those two roles. And and if you're the man, you have to release some of that, some of that what's been what's been bred inside you, and realize it's okay. Your wife actually needs you to stay home and do the dishes. That's what your wife needs uh, right Especially now. Especially during a pandemic. Yeah, that's what your wife needs right now. At the same time, if you get some leadership, don't don't try to control your husband. Let him grow in God and in the church, and it, it'll work a lot better. Well, I always let you choose. or You decided where you wanted to serve and how you wanted to serve. And wear what I want to wear and, and do, yeah. You've never, you've never tried to talk for me or over me. You, you've always let me, and I, I was just saying this the other day to the, the guy I was working with that it's like, I felt bad for you and Jeff. And so, I mean, as I was learning all this stuff, I think I caused more trouble, more headache because of the people that feel like they can manipulate or they can control the, the pastoral that they're the pastors of the church or or whatever i caused you guys like so much headache but you never you never said anything about it like you you guys took that and and dealt with it and did whatever and you guys took the leadership of that handled the situation and realizing that i wasn't doing it i wasn't trying to be I wasn't just doing things carelessly or whatever. I was just, I was just growing. I was just learning. I was just, I might have made mistakes, but I was, there were honest mistakes. I wasn't being malicious. Malicious. I wasn't, I wasn't being malicious. I was learning. You, you deflected the flack away from me to allow me to do that. That's kind of like what I'm talking about. You didn't come home and start yelling at me and go, why did you yell at that board member in the middle of the church thing? And, and like, <laughs> Um, secretly, secretly, I wanted you to <laughs> maybe. Well, he started it to begin with, so that was totally on him. But, but you didn't, you didn't do that. You just you deflected the flack, and you and you let God handle me. That's always a good good advice. It, let God it, handle it is, the other and, person. But as pastors, and this isn't this is men and women, because there's there's male pastors that control their wives. There are probably more male pastors that control their wives than female pastors controlling their husbands. But there, but there is that, there is that line where they feel like they gotta be, they gotta be something for the church. They, they put the church above their spouse. And that's not right. That's not what guys called you to do. If your family's a mess, I don't, I don't care how good the church is. If your family's a mess, there's something, there's something wrong. You've read the instruction manual. You've put the structure together, but you you missed a few pieces. You've got some extra pieces laying around that you need to figure out where they go. That's First Timothy three. Huh? That's First Timothy three. See, this is what I'm talking about. I (laughs) I just need you to be come around me, and when I start talking, go. That's scripture. That's 
That's John 3.16. I know John 3.16 because it's at baseball games. So that would be my advice. That's good advice. I'll share it with Mac. I, I might have to, like, I might have to share it with Mac as as a podcast if we're not able to have Mac this year. Yeah, that would be a bummer. I like Mac. It would be a real bummer. I'm really hoping that we have Mac this year. Ministry Assessment Center weekend. And someone from our staff is supposed to be there this year. Yeah. Yeah. Not on our thing, though. No, they won't. No, they won't be on our team. You don't let me mess with them. <laughs> you can still mess with them. They just won't be on our team. <laughs> I do mess with Corey. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Pastor Diane. (laughs) Belle says thank you.